0: Is, is the, the WTF, WTF Bach Podcast. That the podcast about Johann Sebastian Bach. Brought to you by his prodigal son, WTF Bach. Every friend, Bach. Every friend, every friend, Bach join WTF Bach, Bach, Bach as he guides Bach. your mind through a contrapuntal journey. Why don't you let WTF Bach?
1: And now, here's WTF Bach. It is I, Evan Chinners Why is 2024 an important Bach year? Aren't all years the most important Bach years in your life? Maybe if you play the violin you celebrated 2020 as being the 300th anniversary of the sonatas and partitas for solo violin. Maybe if you play the keyboard, 2022 was very important for you as the 300th birthday of the well-tempered clavier. Maybe last year, 2023, 300 years after the Bachs moved to Leipzig and Bach began his first cantata cycle there. Maybe you celebrated that. But if last year was the 300th anniversary of Bach's first cantata cycle, why didn't I mention that last year and why am I now mentioning 2024? Let me quote a little from friend of the show, Christoph Wolf. On the first Sunday after Trinity, 1724, Bach began basing his cantatas on the texts and melodies of selected church hymns. All right, now I want to celebrate 300 years of that moment. So let's find out what time that year it was. It says the first Sunday after Trinity Sunday. That's when Bach began this new cantata cycle. Trinity Sunday is the holiday that occurs the first Sunday after Pentecost. Now, Pentecost is the 50 days after Easter or, you know, seven weeks, 49 days. Plus one gives us our Pentecost. So that Sunday would be Trinity Sunday. That would have been around the 4th of June, 1724. The first Sunday after that was June 11th, 1724. So we're about six months early to celebrate 300 years of this moment. 300 years of cantatas based on what? Well, based on the chorale. Now, if you recall previous episodes, I discussed the chorale melody. What is a chorale? Where do they come from? The first chorale melodies in Protestant Germany came from Ein Geistliches Gesangbuch, a holy song booklet prepared by Johann Walter, who was a composer who worked with Martin Luther himself to prepare these first 32 songs. And this book was called and is called the root of all Protestant song music. When did this book appear? in 1524. Ah, now you see what I'm on about. Bach was keenly aware of that date, 1524. That's why he began his chorale cantata cycle 200 years after that in 1724, and now it's 2024. That makes half a thousand years between now and then. Not all of the melodies, mind you, in Bach's second cantata cycle will come from that book of 1524, but some of them will, and in any case some forty odd giant majority of the second cycle are based on these Lutheran chorale melodies, which we could all say are rooted in the book of 1524. Here you are, listening to my voice, recorded in some empty room thousands of miles away, talking about a man composing music 300 years ago, who was well aware of music that was composed 200 years ago, even then. So in short, 2024 has an important significance for Lutheran melodies, and for Bach, And for me, as I have two Bach stores this year opening in March 2024 in Germany and May 2024 in Switzerland, but naturally I will update you as we move along. So that profound introduction out of the way, what does it mean to base a cantata on a chorale melody? Well, it's rather like the organ compositions we heard, where there are many lines of counterpoint flowering along, and then you come upon these rather slow-moving melodies that seem to anchor the whole thing down. This will happen in the same way with Bach's vocal compositions in the voice parts. There will be an old church melody flowing slowly in one part while the other parts dance and jump and boil around it. quite systematic the way that Bach does it from the beginning. He's an organized man, Bach the practical man, so he starts in cantata 20, that's the cantata, the first Sunday after Trinity in 1724, with the cantus firmus, that's the slow-moving old melody, in the soprano. And then he says, okay, next week, gotta write a new one, BWV 2, he moves the cantus firmus down into the alto, next week, gotta write another one, he moves it down into the tenor, and finally, the fourth cantata in the cycle, BWV 135, the cantus firmus, he moves into the bass if you're wondering why those numbers don't go in order, why isn't it BWV2 and then BWV3 and then, say, BWV4 times fast, it's because it's not uh, a chronological catalog. It's It's actually a flawed catalog, we could say very succinctly. But if we wanted to create a chronological catalog that would have been the order for these at least these four weeks in Leipzig in 1724 it was BWV 20 followed by 2 followed by 7 followed by 135 what he does after that we will have to discuss later but let's at least examine some of these opening movements and see how Bach sets this chorale melody to mark the 200th year of Lutheran chorale melodies
0: means will go through the journey
1: Bach. Now the first cantata in this chorale cantata cycle is BWV 20, O Ewigkeit, Du Donnerwort. This means, O Eternity, You Thunder Word, You thunderous Word. How does Bach begin this new cycle? You know, he's already been at the job for a year. He's already composed some 57 cantatas in his first year. What is he going to do now? Bach opens, as he does at other times in his career when he wants to make an opening, with an overture, quite literally connected to the word opening, aperture, overture. Now the overture, or we could say the French overture it's called, since it is indeed a hallmark of French Baroque music, the overture is a style that is characterized by its Crisp rhythm, its large chords, sometimes timpani, horns, very festive music. We've spoken about the French overture before. If you want to refresh, however, have a listen to the episode on the sixth contrapuntus from the Art of Fugue, which is written in the style of a French overture. These dotted rhythms, butum, butum, brum. These scales moving rapidly up and down. After a few minutes of the entire ensemble moving along, all quirky and snappy and very French, it can, as in this cantata break off into a fugue, usually from the higher instruments down to the bass. And the fugue is usually in some sort of triple meter. So we go from this very duple meter. bum to So let's hear how Bach would have introduced, indeed, this second cycle on, what did I say, June 11th, 1724. Let's hear a bit of this French overture, BWV 20. Okay, so the scene is set. That all sounds rather nice and curly, I suppose we could say. How is Bach going to bring in the choir and the chorale melody? I said it was going to be in the soprano, but what does it sound like? What are we supposed to listen for? Well, here is how Bach sets the very chorale melody in a four-part harmonization as the last movement of this cantata. I'll play it here on this organ. Absolutely beautiful. One of my favorite ones to sing, in fact, with a group of friends, if you have that group of friends. Here, for comparison's sake, is another harmonization of the same chorale melody by Bach, though it's not found in this cantata. Just look at the flexibility Bach has with a melody that will remain the same. He'll re-harmonize it in a completely different way. Text in German, O Ewigkeit du Donnerwort, eternity you thunderous word, you you word of thunder, Donnerwort. Uh, one one single word you can just combine these words, schmush' them together in German. O Schwert das durch die Seele bohrt, O sword that bores through the soul. O Anfang son der Ende, O beginning without end. O Ewigkeit Zeit ohne Zeit, O eternity time without time. Ich weiß für große Traurigkeit nicht, wo ich mich hinwende. Sorry about that uh, German. In the face of great sorrow, I don't know where else I can go. Mein ganz erschrockenes Herz erbebt. Erschrockenes. My, my shake, my terrified heart shudders. Beats, I guess we could say, dass mir die Zunge an Gaumen klebt. The tongue to the gums is glued. So the last few lines, my heart is so terrified that it shudders That so that my tongue is glued to my gums. Okay, so we have some really powerful images there. Words of thunder, piercing swords that go straight through a soul. Time without time, great sorrow, not knowing where to go, a shaking shuddering heart and of course the tongue glued to the mouth let's hear how bach will will do some of this s- paint some of these words with the text Is very exciting. That is the first phrase, ewigkeit, eternity, thunderous word, and you hear, ewigkeit, you hear how long Bach is pulling out the phrase, very, very long, and then on the thunderous word, you hear, you hear the thunder in the other parts, you hear Doo, in the basses, and you hear the other voices going, do uh, period tuning, pa-pum, you thunderous word. Next phrase will be the sword that pierces through my heart, but here is the first phrase again, and then it'll go straight into the second one. Listen to the beautiful word painting. Put yourself in June 11, 1724, in a seat in Leipzig. No time to discuss every single phrase. Maybe you heard a sword piercing through your soul in that phrase. In any case, the next phrase is beginning without end. And listen to the sopranos, the way that they come in with the melody sort of differently from before. They they sort of sneak their way in as if they didn't have a beginning, as if there was no end and no beginning, painting the text perhaps. The melody now will repeat. As you heard me play it on the organ, it goes... repeats. And you will hear Bach, he'll repeat the melody again, but something will change and what will that be? How will Bach make it interesting? What happened there? Well, this is the fugal section of the French overture. And indeed, we have this sort of fugue coming in from the top to the bottom. I'm going from the top instruments to the bottom. Then you'll have the continuum part. They'll play the same. This little figure that I'm playing is preceded by this figure. See how that fits together? And when you first hear it, it's very difficult to tell what time signature. And I hear something like four, one, two, three, four, one. But it's not, it's in three. It's actually one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one. You'll hear this sort of very well done in the continual part in this particular ensemble. And what is the text here? Well, it's time without time. You're hearing Bach shifting the meter into three from the duple meter even within the three he's sort of playing with it he's sort of playing with the concept of time without time and you'll hear these instrumental parts dancing around the sopranos now singing the melody a second time i'll play from where the fugue began i want you to see if you can actually get exactly how and when bach shifts into three see if you can figure out the time within the time and then the next phase after that is the phrase where he speaks of the great sadness, the kite, and not knowing where to turn, and you'll hear, I think for the first time in the music, a real turn toward a sorrowful tone. Don't know where to turn either. That is that is how Bach leaves that phrase. He says he doesn't know where to turn. While counting along with that, I I imagine some of you are counting one, two, three, one, two, three, because you can you can hear that in there. You hear this one, two, but it's actually not, it's one, two, three, one, two, three. Again, maybe the concept of time without time is time within time. You see, Bach just playing with the time and then not knowing where to turn. Where does he turn? He turns back to the beginning. That's typical of the French Overture. There's the festive section up front with the dotted rhythms, the fugal section, and then the festive section at the end. I think Bach seizes connections between the thunder, the word of thunder, and then the shuddering heart. Because again, he goes back into the sort of shaking motives that you'll hear in the orchestra. And then, of course, we've got that wonderful tongue sticking to the gums image. And I believe that's sort of related to the first phrase in the way that he just pulls it out very, very smoothly, as if he pulled out um, He pulls the sort of the glue right out of the mouth. So we're now going to hear the ending of this not knowing where to turn. Section, then the return, and that'll be the end of the first movement. So that is a live recording from Switzerland. That is Rudi Lutz, L-U-T-Z, the Great, conducting the J.S. Bach Foundation and Choir. I will put a link to that performance in the description. It's a video so you can watch it, but I won't play the movement in full or else we won't make it to the next cantata. Just to note, this is a two-part cantata and whenever that's the case, it implies that the cantata, quote, flanked the sermon. The first part is before the sermon, the second part is after, and the second part here, In this cantata, number 20, begins with the bass saying, Wacht auf, wacht auf, wake up, wake up. So I like to think that this is Bach, possibly aware, after being there in Leipzig for a year, that the preacher may put the congregation to sleep. And so here, second half, come on, get up. The next week, anyhow, Bach is going to put the chorale melody in the alto. And which melody will this be? This is a very special melody because it is one of the 32 original melodies that appears in the 1524 book, by Martin Luther and Walter. So when Bach writes this cantata, the melody is already 200 years old, and Bach will show it. He's going to write essentially in an older style. The previous week's cantata, number 20, that's a French overture, that's very modern. But for this melody, Bach abandons the flowery instrumental parts, which is very unusual for an opening movement in a cantata. It's choir, and wait for it, four trombones, four trombones. Each vocal part is essentially doubled by dambones. All except the altos, who have the melody. They have their own trombone, but they also have two oboes. So if you look at the scoring, we've got four voices, each with a trombone, two oboes doubling the alto, and naturally strings, violins, violas, and the Baroque rhythm section, the continuo part. In the continual part in Bach's cantatas and other vocal works, sometimes that continuo is a blending of the bass voices, as in they are moving along and the bass voices sort of go in and out, joining them. But in this... They do not. The continuo is really a separate texture from the basses who have their own sort of independent bass line. So instead of a four-voice texture here, we really have five independent voices moving along in this so-called chorale fantasia on this ancient melody. Here is how the melody appeared 500 years ago in Erfurt in 1524, which is very exciting because my Bach store will be in Erfurt in 2024. The melody is called Ach Gott von Himmel, Sie Da rein. Ach Gott, von Himmel, sieh ich derein und laß dich des Erbarmen. Wie wenig sind der Heilgen dein, verlassen sind wir Armen. Gar bei allen Menschen, so it's sort of rooted in G minor, but it starts and ends on this A. And then we've got this lovely modal working, very old sounding melody indeed. I will play for you how Bach harmonizes this melody at the end of the cantata and then I've prepared for you a version where all five parts are played on a different instrumentation a different registration one could say on an organ so you will hear that and I will speak over it sort of guide you through this listening and then we'll hear Philip Hedovega perform this first movement of cantata number 2 Bach's second cantata in his second cantata cycle. <music> here's the cantata the tenors start there's the basses imitating sopranos and we'll hear the cantus firmus that was the first phrase of the cantus firmus All the other parts imitating each other. Here comes the second phrase. Exquisite chromaticism there. We're now awaiting the third phrase. next phrase okay now the second half of the melody things are different An ultimate phrase, and the last phrase. I don't have too much to say about it other than what a breadth of styles this composer has from week to week. This completely modern style, the French overture, and now this. Now here's Philip Herovega performing it. Right, so I've let that next movement play a little bit because I wanted you to notice that the tenor continues singing the melody as if we're going to go on into the sort of variation cantata format, which is certainly a nod to the older style of cantatas. Those of you who know Christelag and Todesbanden, BWV four, That's one of his earliest cantatas. I think he was 18 or even 17 years old when he wrote it. And that is essentially the type of cantata where every movement contains the tune and therefore each movement is sort of like a variation, and that is definitely the older style. So here it seems like Bach is saying, remember that old style of cantata? Yes, oh, remember this old melody, old music, but come now at 1724, here we go, modern recitativo As for the opening movement that we heard in full, BWV2, conducted by Herr Vega, I thought it would bring your attention to a device that I think Bach sometimes uses in the chorale preludes. As the voices enter one after another, they foreshadow what is going to appear in the melody that holds the cantus firmus. And this could be an idea that is worthy of pursuing, because it seems like in something like this, this chorale prelude, it's like this melody absolutely has nothing to do with the melody itself. But in the BWV2, in the second cantata, the tenors enter, Gott von Himmel sich da rein. And uh, the, the bass is Ach Gott in Himmel sich da rein. ach Gott von Himmel sich da rein. And then finally when the altars come in with the melody, they are going to sing the same thing, but twice as slow as the other parts. And it happens with every phrase, so that the time that the basses are singing Dein Wort man nicht lässt haben war. The sopranos will sing But di da 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 And the tenors, finally the cantus firmus in the altos, again twice as slow. So we get this idea that you've got these sort of maybe these soothsayers, you know, saying their sooth and projecting. Ah, you see, yes, we know what's going to happen. Yes, we know what's going to happen. then finally the cantus firmus, yes, this is the melody. So if you'd like to rewind the episode just a few minutes back and listen to that again with that sort of idea of the foreshadowing of the cantus firmus in mind, that could be a way to listen to the piece again. And I'm looking at the time, how long this episode is going... And I realized that if I were going to the third cantata of this cycle, I'd definitely have to go into the fourth, and then we'd be looking at an episode that's some 80 minutes long. And I just heard the music in cantata 135 for the first time, and it's so crushingly beautiful. I want to spend a little more time with it myself before I bring it to you. And that's one of the nicest things, is that we're both learning things. Well, I certainly hope you're learning things, I'm learning a lot. But to whet your appetite for this chorale melody, I'm going to play a chorale prelude for you where Bach sets the same melody in the feet. That's right, your feet are going to sing, all ten toes. And this is the melody called Herr Jesu Christ zum Jordan kam, our Lord Christ came to Jordan, came to the banks of the River Jordan. And in many of the settings of this tune, you can hear the river. And in this particular one, you can hear the river in my left hand. I'm going to basically sort of do 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 You could hear the river rolling along while the right hand is a conversation between two obligato voices on a different keyboard on the organ, mind you. And the melody, again, is in the feet. Now, just because this is the WTF Bach podcast, I've added a few WTF effects to the playing here, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks for listening, as always. Thank you very much.
0: All things in the mind of Evan WTFBOC.substack.com Right, right. That that you